Your hair looks super long at the at the session. I know, right. man. It's just you know, COVID hair. It's yeah, it's tough to get out there. I wish you could cut my own hair. We are right now in some sort of weird ether where I don't know if the podcast has started or not, it's, but it's I guess. Comment, dude. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. It's great to have you here. My name is Ryan. Here I got my favorite guest of all time, my co-host, Braxton. Say what's up, man. Hey. Hey, what's up? there he is. What's going on, guys? Uh, um, yeah, but words. I've lost all function in my brain. Mm-hmm. Because life is going on. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm trying out the VTuber. I'm just kidding. I just I just feel and look terrible right now. So uh, you don't get to see my ugly mug. It's just Ryan. You, you can stare at him the whole time. Right now? No, but I could be. Should I? Does he sound should. better? That's that's the uh, yeah. That's the gamer way. Do I sound cooler? I mean, does Batman sound cooler when he's in the dark? Of course. That is very true. Batman's a cool guy. Where is Rachel? Oh. I don't know about that one. Is he, he's the only guy. I, I have to wonder at what point he decided that that's how he was going to talk. Was it from the very beginning? Yeah, I'm curious. If that Was that like in the script for? There's no way. Because like, there's hey, never Christian been another Bale? Batman that's done that. No, like, Christian yeah, yeah. Bale, please sound like you have a squirrel in your throat the whole time. Can you do I, that? I, mean, yes. I guess that, that was the way of thinking, okay, this is a much more grounded, you know, TV, much more grounded movie series. So let's. Obviously, they'd probably recognize his voice since Bruce Wayne's all over the place. He's got to do some kind of voice mover changer thing, and that's what they decided on. Well, you got you to gotta think about it this way, is that he's got the mask on. He puts the, you know, the raccoon eyeliner so that you uh-huh. can't see the color of his eye bags. He's got the whole get up. He, he's got to hide the only thing that hasn't been hidden before his voice. Otherwise, they're going to know who he is. You, get, you hear Christian Bell, you know who that guy is, right? That's true. So, you know, he's just hiding himself. When you himself. think about it, Ormano's voice is very similar to Batman's voice from the yeah, Dungeon yeah. Chronicles. Go check it out, guys. That's a thing. Speaking of things that have names that we do that are podcasts and the people who run them, he already said, but I'm... Do we ever doing this again? Braxton yeah. Ryan? We know. He can point at me if he wants. He's Ryan. He's Braxton. He's pointing. This is the Dungeon Crawl. You know, the acronyms might be the same, but it's the Crawl. Not the Chronicles. We crawl through the dragon of fire. Speaking about Batman, though, if you think about it, if you hold on, if you think about it, he's an IRL VTuber. You lost. You thinking about it? No, come on. Yeah, we won't dwell on it that long. But, you know, he's made some choices for his character. He has decided what the voice is going to sound like, what he looks like, what he does, what he cares about. Backstory. That's. Step one of making a D&D character. Do you think oh. almost everybody who plays D&D for the first time probably has a tragic backstory? I'd say definitely in the higher percentage for sure. I think there's also a grouping of people that just make a fun character, just wants to go out adventuring or, you know, the time, you know, then you got the people that want to go find, you know, love or find their missing sister, missing brother. And then you got the really sad ones where their whole family was destroyed in some fire. Now they have to go and avenge them. Why do you think that's so popular, though? Is it just because angsty teens get into D&D or, or tabletop games <laughs> well, I mean, and they want to do that? You think about most fantasy films and most fantasy books and stuff. It always is. That's that's what's going on. It's, it's some terrible event that transpired. So I feel like it's just in our bones that we have to have some terrible event. It's also, I would say, easier to role play, you know, some terrible 
thing that happens so that that's your catalyst for exploring. Yeah. Well, there's a tough thing, especially within acting is like some people believe if you haven't experienced the thing that your character is, you can try to find the nearest neighbor. But if you haven't experienced something like that, you're probably not going to be able to do it believably. And I know half of these people still have their parents. They're sitting in the other room while they listen. What the hell is my kid talking about? And why do they need, you know, this bard to stop trying to feel everybody up? We've all lost people in our lives. It's kind of a connection. It's true. Yeah, no matter how small it is, you can find that. Yeah. But something that um, lately has been kind of grabbing me too is, uh, and I'm, don't worry, we're not going to get into any spoilers for any of the shows that we might talk about today because we're going to take a bit of a dive into characters, development, trying not to stagnate within uh, your D&D campaign Ooh. and giving yourself the best foot to RP as well as you can or at least you know make a character that facilitates a good game a good session etc i have no idea what this is going to be titled we'll decide once we finish talking some of that stuff (laughs) that you mentioned can be easy if you're just not an asshole you know making a character that works well with people but continuing off of that you know making a character that can grow i mean we're not yeah not all of us are writers actors directors etc so making a character that grows over you know if let's say you're playing for a year People like us, we grow over the course of years. Yeah. So it, it can be hard to figure out how the hell I'm going to grow this character and change this character. It, it's, it's complicated stuff. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot more examples for characters that have gone through arcs and have grown either more quickly uh, than the ones that I do. Because most of my experience with experiencing writing or written characters outside of theater because a lot of that's on me to do but seeing other people's examples is through anime and my god that is not known for the best character development in the world it's just not but as of late attack on titan's been kind of crazy uh Mm -hmm. and i'm not spoiling anything but stuff moves in that show not insanely fast but it goes to entirely different directions and i would say season one aaron yeager is one of the most anime protagonists ever like just like like the definition of an anime protagonist yeah he's somebody a thing happens to somebody he loves and he is now incredibly angry at that thing and wants to destroy everything of that thing that exists sounds like a dnd character exactly a very simple dnd character i mean you think of Someone, if they were making a, a ranger class with the favorite enemy type, Ooh. it's probably something similar that people have, you know, that you would think of. Your whole family got slaughtered by orcs. That's your favorite enemy because now you've studied it and with every fiber you're being, you know how to find these people and you know how to kill them. So that's your goal. So you're not too dissimilar. No, not at all. For Aaron, too, I mean, if you just wanted to translate him one to one to a D&D character, his parents, you know, died. He's got a big enemy that he's looking for. He's got a town he came from and a few NPCs that he can interact with and the DM can throw in there. And he's got what he wants, what's stopping him, a bunch of things like that. Where is he? How does he feel about the world? And the thing that really surprised me and made me want to talk about this subject of character development uh, is A, uh, in some campaigns that I've been either watching or experiencing, all of our characters have gone through some sort of event that changes how we are from the moment we created the character. Oftentimes you make this player character and you keep referring back to your original sheet and it kind of resets you back to the moment of when your character was born. And that doesn't facilitate a lot of development, in my opinion. 
also or if you wrote this gigantic you know nine page backstory for yeah. your character and the only things that have transpired since that backstory have been in game and you don't have a complete you know written document documenting every single moment of your life since then it can be easy to just you know look back and say okay that's me that's me that's me and you know yeah even though these other things have transpired it's just you don't think about them all the time especially if there's mm-hmm. you know months or weeks between sessions and i do also want to say not everybody has gone through improv training or is incredibly perceptive to changes in the environment because a lot of us experience either social anxiety or it's a lot to just process playing a video game or a tabletop rpg where you're worrying about Rolling dice, numbers, you got to listen to what the DM is saying and just figure it out, which is why a lot of people end up just making themselves as a D&D character. Even if they make a backstory, you end up just turning that character into your personality. It happens quite a lot. Even my characters like that. I'm trying to change it. Yes, I know for a fact whenever I made uh, one of my first characters ages ago, however long it's been with Ryan... I wrote a fun backstory and I was like, okay, I'm going to try to change it. But as I always do, I fall into my rut, whether it's a video game or a tabletop RPG, and it basically just turns into me, which is often why I like video games where I can make my own character and I'm not forced to play somebody that already exists unless it's a really railroady experience. Well, it also gives you, you know, in a, in a game, you get to think about your decisions unless it's like, you know, a, mm-hmm. a quick time event. You get to think about which question or which uh, response you're going to give to each mm-hmm. question. And you have, you know, as many, much time as you need. While in a D&D game, you have, you know, someone asks you a question. The guard's like, hello, are you going to answer what I'm asking you? And uh, I don't blame people. You just revert back to yourself. I mean, it's tough to get yourself in the mindset of this other person 24-7 while you're sitting down as, at the table. Absolutely. And that's the challenge that I try. I want to try and make everybody feel a bit more prepared for. This is a very common issue or thing that an actor or somebody in theater, voice acting, anything where you're pretending to be somebody else encounters. And this is what I learned when I went to ye old university college and studied theater for Whoa. four freaking years. You got oh, credentials? We've dropped this before. I do have credentials. It's on my resume, actually. Oh, wow. People, <laughs> whenever they look at it, they're like, Sam, yes, so you're a recruiter slash somebody who works in uh, HR. What's your degree in? Uh, I did acting for four years how does that help you in ways but we don't need to talk about that (laughs) i mean it's very similar to getting a philosophy degree not many jobs are going to be hiring that unfortunately no uh but we're not talking about colleges and my poor life choices today we're going to talk about how those poor life choices can help you in your dnd so i want to avoid making everybody feel like they have to have this 200 page backstory I don't want to give you guys a bunch of questions that you have to sit down and it feels like homework. I want you to still enjoy this. Well, I think even addressing the 200-page backstory, do you think that's even useful? Well, that, that I was going to ask you that a little bit later. But yeah, oh. I, I think... Um, no, we can tra- talk about it now. Uh, so the 200-page backstory, what I want to say in regards to writing or making your character is there is no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? It's about how applicable it is to the campaign right and whatever you want to do if you want to write a big backstory do it that's the first step do you want to do that check okay cool so you're writing it is it applicable to the campaign if a massive backstory is not going to matter at all and the dm is just going to be overwhelmed in particular if they tell you to not do it don't do it but you can never be harmed by writing a ton of stuff just as long as you're not trying to shove it all 
down everybody's throat the entire time. Right. There's going to be details that influence the way you talk that you wrote about in your backstory. Whenever you interact with a certain sort of NPC, this this hidden communication that comes up that you don't literally have to go monologuing about your backstory every time. So that's my thoughts on it. But what do you what do you think, Ryan? I mean, I, I agree. I, I think for me personally, though, as cool and beneficial as one may think, a very long, extensive essay on your backstory could be useful. I, I think asking yourself specific questions about your character, mm-hmm. um, and we've done this occasionally in our games, um, where I would open up the session by asking you this question about your character. Um, and since then, I've taken it to asking people now in private, um, and they can share it if they want. But very specific, directive questions like, what's your relationship with your mother like? What's your, you know, family like? What's your, mm-hmm. do you have siblings? How do you guys interact with each other? Instead of like, this is what I did for the first 10 years before I met the party. Yes. It could be useful, but I think it's, if you're role playing, then I definitely think you need to focus on the specific characteristics that make your character who they are and how they think about the world instead of their history, because the history is important, but that can come later and you can work with your DM on that if you really want to build that into the story. So that's perfect. And this is exactly where I want to go with a physical thing that people can buy or look at, or we'll provide this in our Twitter most likely for you to go through it as a worksheet on your own if you want. Let's pretend we've got two sorts of people in front of us. Somebody who wants to make a character and their DM needs them to provide a little bit of details to flavor RP so that they can do better. And then you've got the other player who's got the massive backstory. What I'm going to say for the player who doesn't have a lot and doesn't want to do much, this takes two seconds. For the player that has the massive backstory, this is going to help you boil these down into five or six points that can help you each session rather than the entire campaign. This is something I want you to do both at the beginning of the entire campaign and before each session. This is applicable at every single moment of your character's time. And Ryan has already mentioned some questions for these. This is Utahagen's nine questions from uh, their Respect for Acting uh, book article. It's it's in a lot of forms. Originally, it was Utahagen? a Utahagen, yes. Hmm. There's a lot of uh, foreigners that have shaped the theater scope because, as you know, uh, the Americas are fairly new in right. regards to the world. So theater's been around for a long time. Uh, but these are going to get a little repetitive with Ryan, what Ryan just mentioned. But I want you guys, and there's a couple more, but... The first thing, the most important thing really is who am I? And this can essentially be your characters, like statistics, what they are, who they are, what their name is, what their life was. This is your massive backstory, I suppose. Boil all that down into who am I, find some good little check marks and just find those identifiers there. Something that another person would be like. Do you think should be like a sentence or two or longer? Um, honestly, if you can fit it into what the blanks are on the worksheet here, which is like two or three lines of text, probably that's about it. It shouldn't be long. It can, if you want to, but this should be something you can reference really quickly and in the moment, if need be. So keep that in mind. Uh, that first thing, the who am I influences everything that's about to happen. This is something you look at before the campaign begins, but once the campaign starts and if you've got your sort of like, where are we? thing from the dm they give you your initial um like write up on where you are they open the scene the where am i question environment location and this doesn't need to be profound just literally where are you located are you in an inn are you in a barn are you at the vampire's castle a bunch of stuff like that this can influence your character's opinions and um, thoughts on the location they're in 
We'll come in a bit later to show you how you can play off of that. Next up is what surrounds me. So persons, objects, colors, texture, your party. This is like your five senses. So just kind of do that DM thing that a DM tries to do where they appeal to each um, sense you have. What do you smell? What do you and taste, et cetera? all just to kind of get you in the headspace, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to summarize like why each of these things kind of lean into um, a good study of the session that has either just happened or that's about to happen. What time is it? Like this is These are just general observations, like Ryan said, to put you in the world. You don't need to dwell too much on that one, but maybe there's a holiday coming up, and this can help your character be involved in the world. If you see this worksheet, and I go, what time is it? Well, I don't freaking know. I'm going to go, hey, Ryan, my DM, what time is it right now? You know, for example, and what might you tell me for this question, Ryan? I'd tell you that it's, you know, just about one afternoon. Uh, it's the year 398 and uh it's wednesday next week there will be a holiday and now you know i was looking forward to the market day and there you go you're going into the session and you're no longer this like blank slate that has to go around asking npcs which you should still do but having this sort of in-game knowledge makes you feel a little bit more involved uh what are the given circumstances again this is going back with the event, et cetera. But this can be what has just happened in the world, what happened last session, facts, conditions occurring before the play, or in this case, the session that affect the character or action. I think that's uh, huge because, you mm -hmm. know, me as a DM, I'll summarize what happened last session, but I'll miss a lot of stuff. And you even mentioned uh, Jamie, one of the players in the Dungeon Chronicles, posted all her notes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Braxton made a very good comment. I I feel like we've told this before, but he said that you know, this is, uh, you know, this is good because I don't know exactly what you guys thought was important. And this is very nice because I, I might just list a bunch of stuff that happened last session, but I may miss a couple of things or dwell on things that I felt were more important. And for Absolutely. example, if Braxton's character thought this very specific interaction that he had with somebody was huge for his character and I barely touch on it, it might just be forgotten about it, and he, he won't grow as a character because of that conversation. So it's good to you know reflect on what happened, especially you know if there's weeks between sessions, it's very easy to forget about these important Absolutely. interactions. Yeah, and this can take a lot of weight off the DM as well. Um, and the big thing about the given circumstances is just that, uh, like Ryan said, it allows you to digest things rather than just passively pay, play D&D. &D. And it's that passive mindset that leads to a lack of development or involvement during the session. So if you mm -hmm. find yourself bored Every session, rather than saying this campaign sucks and is boring, try to make yourself look at the given circumstances, let those influence yourself. And then if you truly find them boring, then maybe it's not the game for you. Uh, I'd give it to you at that point. Uh, we already talked about what is my relationship you know, to each character. This can help you understand how your character is going to act when this character comes up to you if you have a solid written down thought of your opinions on each party member. So that's what I would recommend here. Or relevant NPC that's near you or token npc that's going to come up later um the biggest thing that i've talked about in one of our previous episodes a while ago on rp is what do i want right. this is massive this is how you get into that active mindset where you are saying this is the thing that i want and the follow-up question what's in your way the next thing is what do you have to do to get around that thing these three questions what do i want what's in my way and what do I do to get what do I want? What I want. If you do anything from this section here, it's those last three. 
This can help you interact extremely well with the world that is presented to you. And DMs have to do this all the time because if they don't prepare something similar to this for an NPC, that event might end up in those awkward silent moments that can happen in Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop RPGs where nobody really knows what's going on. I would argue that that is always a cause of nobody knows what they want or they want nothing, right? Yeah. And I could say see that's the root cause. These three questions very easily be misconstrued to be like, what do I want? Like, what's my end goal as a character? But these questions should be asked for, you know, every encounter, every moment. What do I want out of this conversation? What's in my way from getting that? Maybe it's this innkeep is, is you know, not selling me with an item that I really want for the price that I want mm. it for. And then how do I get what I want? Maybe I have to haggle with this guy a little bit. Maybe I have to come back later, sneak in and steal it. So a couple different options you could you could get from there. And that, that can come up in every single tiny encounter that happens within the game. Absolutely. So I think I mentioned this almost verbatim in our older episode. Um, but you never just want something because you want it. There always has to be a, a little bit more. If you dig deeper, there's always something a little bit more. It's like, why do you want to buy that potion? I don't know, because I want it. Why do you want it? Well, I don't want to die. Hey, that's a really damn good motivator. You don't want to die. You're going to be a lot more inclined to try to haggle that uh, that that shopkeep down so you can get this potion and survive the next fight, probably. Yeah, it's you never as simple gold. as it's what my character would do. Mm-hmm. Never, ever. So try to get out of that way of thinking. So just to sum these up again, it's who am I? Where am I? What surrounds me? What time is it? What are the given circumstances? What is my relationship? What do I want? what's in my way, and what do I do to get what I want? Those are action verbs always, like Ryan kind of mentioned at the end there. So if you do anything, try to apply this maybe before and after each session or at the very minimum before each session. Your DM is going to love you. You're going to RP way better. You're going to get more gold in your session. I'm just saying this is going to work. You'll at least, at the very least, feel like you know more about what's going on probably. Mm-hmm. And then eventually these things are just going to come second nature to you because in a way, as people, these questions are always in our minds and what's written under them is always, always changing. And I want to bring back in Aaron Yeager too, because in the beginning of Attack on Titan, and don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything other than saying Aaron Yeager changes throughout the, the story. And that's a given for a character and something. So he, he begins and he's bloodthirsty, wants to kill everything, and he rushes into battle, right, Ryan? Yeah. What else is Aaron Yeager like? How does he change from, you know, that moment when he's super young and he has that traumatic experience, say, to like season two and three? Very impulsive at first. Uh, grow into being more of a, you know, um, thinking about the situation more after you grow up and kind of learn more about what's going on. No, that's not all about you. Mm. Um also more trusting of others absolutely you know, believes that if this person has this role they'll probably take care of that while you take care of this it's not all about you just rushing and, and murdering everybody so if you were to change and I, it might be tough to do this without spoiling things but what does aaron want at the beginning of the show to kill all the big titans I don't know if we can get to the next part without spoilers, but does that change in in the show? Yeah, I definitely say at the very least without spoiling anything, it definitely at least morphs. Okay, 
So let's let's jump to um, a make believe situation in sure. Dungeons and Dragons. You've got everyone in your party, and they all are these dark, dramatic characters, and they're obsessed and blinded by you know whatever thing attacked them or gave them a traumatic experience in the campaign. Typical D and D characters. Typical D and D characters, and it leads to a lot of um, infighting in the party because you've got really strong motivations to go one direction. And your other party member wants to go the other way. The thing I want you to do with these sheets is as you start interacting with characters, even if it's not the exact way you wanted your character to go, to try to make things work a little better, apply these questions every time to each session and almost forget about the ones that you had initially. You can keep that to inform what you've got, but ask these questions again. And it's like a text message. Oftentimes you might go back to read what was said 10 years ago, but the most relevant thing is the thing that happened and that you said most recently. And that's what you're going to judge based off of. So there are a lot of more in-depth things that you can get into. And what I want to go with next um, and boil these down, this is going to be for the people that really, really enjoy asking themselves a ton of questions. For the player in there that's listening right now and says, I don't want to do that. I just want to make a character and have great stats. We're going to try to boil these down to the ones that genuinely matter because there's a lot of ones in here that don't really add anything to a campaign and keep that statement. Does this add to the campaign or my character while you're writing a backstory? But there's five sort of, I guess, questions or categories you should be asking yourself about. And I want to ask Ryan like what he thinks about each of these real quick. Um, so to list them off, it's physical social, psychological, moral, and the play, which in this case is going to be the campaign or the session, etc. So for each of these, Ryan, or ones that stick out to you, what do you think about these? How are they going to apply to a D&D character? I mean, I, I would I view physical as much of like a, how does my character view the physical world? Like, you know, maybe where I'm at. Um, that's definitely important. Social. You know, how does my character interact with the people around me? Um, you can even think about different creeds, different races, different, uh, you know, different kingdoms that people are from. Uh, that's, I'd say, very important because you're going to have party members. So you need to know how you feel about these party members. Uh, psychological can be important, I would say, depending on the type of games that you're playing. Um, but even still, I think a very... Uh, agnostic thing would be to think about you know psychological and the fact like what is my character's headspace how do I what, what's my immediate reaction to specific mm. things that I see uh, and that kind of plays into the moral morals one which is next you know if I see a guard slap an old woman am I going to step up and say hey asshole you shouldn't be doing that or am I going to say you know it's not my it's not my fight I I'm going to stay in the background and then I'd say that's probably arguably one of the most important ones of this list. Mm -hmm. And then the, the campaign being, uh, you know, how's my character fit into this story? What do I think about the main story? Um, and these different quests and characters that have been popping up. It's important to ask yourself as time goes on. And I think that one will probably be the easiest to um, kind of do instinctively. The other ones need to be thought about a little more. Yep. You said it really well. I think to liken this to computer technology, uh, there's a bunch of zeros and ones that happen on your circuit board that make decisions, but the key thing is that it's 
if this, then that. This is going to help you RP by having the triggering event that tells you how your character acts if you aren't just being yourself, which is why I think a lot of people end up just playing themselves, even if they wrote this backstory, is because it's really hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes unless you have these sort of mental commands that tell you how to role play this character, this interaction, which is basically what Ryan was just saying. I think the, uh, I think the morals, the, the, it's easy to just grab the, um, the alignment sheet and say, all right, I'm going to be lawful, mm, neutral, oh whatever the hell. Um, but as we were just kind of been talking, it, that kind of shows the limitations of the alignment system is that people are much, much more complex than a simple, you know, kind of yin yang, yes or no. Am I, do I follow the laws? Am I evil? Am I good? There's a lot more play than that. And I, I recommend, like, I do not use alignment very much at all. And I, I recommend for new players to not really think about alignment and think about more as yourself as a person. Don't take one of those alignment quizzes. Think about, you know, oh. how I view myself and how I view the world. And I think that's, I'm also speaking from a council perspective. This is a lot of stuff is very much in line with, you know, how different theories operate. And I think you should focus on that type of stuff instead of just the very much archetypal uh, stuff from the player's handbook. Very, very true. Yeah, that alignment is, I think, Wizards of the Coast, or at least whoever made D&D originally, Gary Gygax, all these uh, tabletop RPGs are like, how do we get these people to buy the thing we've made and sit down and play it? So I think it used to mean more alignment used to be more of a importance in the game, like certain spells couldn't be used by mm. by good characters and stuff like that. And there's still a little bit, a little bit of that in there with like, well, you can only use this item if you're evil or, you know, the protection from evil and good type spells. There's still a little bit of that in there, but they've kind of expanded Dungeons and Dragons to fit more of, you know, the kind of the, I think as shows like Critical Role and stuff have been productive and been successful they've seen that people in really enjoy the story aspect you know because back right. then it was all about just doing some dungeon crawling that's really really interesting i did not know that so they tried to make emotion and alignment a mechanical aspect yeah. a technical aspect to D because it wasn't really talked about in story that is super cool so as the game has morphed that's kind of a little bit of the iceberg showing its head the alignment chart that is very, very interesting to me. So if you're going to forget about that, these are the kinds of questions that can help you inform yourself on what sort of decisions you're going to make rather than, well, I'm a lawful evil character, so I'm always going to sternly say no and not save the people and murder people. You know, that's a quick and, um, I guess, messy way to decide it. But it's at least a way to point yourself in the right direction. Yeah. So, Ryan, you, you right now are looking at a lot of questions, and at I first am. it's like you, nobody wants to do this. There's 23 questions just for physical qualities. I do. Okay. You do? I, yeah, I did a uh, – when I first made my D&D world, there was a world-building questionnaire oh. that I did that was very similar to this, just for about the world instead of about people. Well, I don't think we can get through all of them, no, but yeah. what I want to do here is go through and let's say – is this valuable to spend my time on making my character? If not, get it out of there and don't answer it. Right. So, of course, you've got the titular physical qualities. Who am I? Right. That's got to be in there. Yeah. That's important. Who am I named after? Do I like my name? No. No. Right. Probably not important. That doesn't. It's not important. It doesn't mean you something shouldn't cool be to think you about can if you want. Yes. Not necessarily something you need to spend a lot of time on. Yep. Uh, this is a, more of a relevant thing lately. 
Uh, but what is my gender? What do I think about sex? This, I, again, don't think it's important to a campaign. It can be if it's important to your character. Yeah. So that's one of those dependent ones. It's not an absolute necessary. How old am I? What do I think about my age? That can be necessary if age affects you physically a yeah, lot or mentally old. and how your habits are. So I would say yes. Yeah. Uh, how does my posture express age, health, inner feeling? That can kind of go with the age thing. I don't think this is as important to answer for some that will show up later. You'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'd say that's, that's something more you can think about. Because I, I recommend this to all my players and I try to embody this in game, but try to, when you're speaking as your character, change your posture and change how you are physically to mm-hmm. be how your character is. So like if I'm playing a, uh, you know, a larger character, I'll kind of lean back a little bit, square my shoulders or an older character, maybe scrunch up, you know, and lean over. So I think that's something you should think about, but not necessarily, you know, have to write about. Ryan's really great on that. And we're going to drive that point home throughout this entire thing. So kind of keep your eye out for that and really, really jump into it. Uh, how's my complexion? What do I think of it? Not really important unless there's like a massive tattoo or like a gash on your face that people are going to ask about. So again, not the most important thing. Um, what is my height can be important depending on what, you know, race you hail from, sure. et cetera. It's how people view you. Um, but you necessarily you don't have to. Maybe um, you're tall for a dwarf or something. Yeah. So this one, I would say it's more necessary than the ones that we've just kind of gone through. What is my weight? Again, not as important, but if you think it's something that people are going to comment on right away and you want that to be part of your character, do it. So this one, uh, absolutely must have it. What is the pitch, tone, tempo, resonance, or quality of my voice? Um, there's a what do I think of it thing. You don't have to have that. Um, but really, if you're, if you're not just going to play yourself and you can do a voice, this is, I'd say, one of the top, like, 10 or five things that you should definitely do for the reasons Ryan just mentioned a second ago. But it's also for something like that. Not, I I think a lot of people get stuck in their heads. They have to, you know, it's not integral. You you watch critical and you're like, my God, I want to do that. But then you remember they're all voice actors and you're not. Mm -hmm. So how do you mimic that? You can do very small mannerisms. You don't have to have different pitches, volumes, tempos. You don't have to, I'd actually recommend, you know, stick more to that pitches and volumes and tempos and then going for an accent that's those things are much easier to do what's ryan ryan gave me advice uh once upon a time that has still stuck with me while i've been preparing for our live campaign for the dungeon chronicles is i don't have a lot of range in pitch i really don't so focusing on the cadence the volume how fast i speak um and how sing-songy it sounds is, is one of the easiest things to do and even the slightest um change in how you normally speak is easily perceivable by your players easily so uh articulation and whatnot uh that comes with like you know how easy you are to understand which can just inform uh you know is is your character tired uh are they intelligent or do they lack education do they get their words out quickly um again this kind of goes with nine as well so you don't need to focus on that too much the next one's about hairstyle really doesn't matter again unless you want it to do i have deformities doesn't matter unless you want it to do you have any mannerisms? Yes. Very important. Very, very important. This can be your voice physically or habits that your character has. Uh, again, you know, I a lot of you are probably on Discord calls and you're just, you know, chatting with friends, right? Ryan and I have done this sort of thing before. Um, we have a group of people who play D&D in our Discord who sometimes they have the camera on, sometimes they don't. Over video, Ryan, is it difficult to see what I'm doing sometimes and 
would all of my minute movements be kind of lost in translation? You know, if I put a lot of effort into it over Discord? Yes. Yes. So sadly, it is hard to do it that way. I've actually got in person. Um, talked about this or I haven't talked I've been talking about this a lot because uh, I'm in counseling in grad school like that's my that's my degree and we do like mock counseling sessions and we talk a lot about now what's called telehealth which is doing all this stuff online and Mm. it's very different than doing stuff in person and it's a it's a whole different skill set and especially if you're trying to show these things over you know over online and over a Discord call, it's much harder, especially, you know, if you don't have the best mic or the best webcam, it can be hard. So there's definitely other ways you can think about it, like, you know, sticking to just your voice tempo and volume and stuff like that. Absolutely. So if you're in person, you've got a luxury, I must say, especially during everything that's going on right now, if you're able to meet with people, really cherish that. And try to, if they're comfortable, Get more people to notice the movements and motions that you do because it's a lot of fun. That's my favorite part about acting is the nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. And if you can get others to be perceptive of it and let them know that, hey, you know, you've got that moment where people go, okay, um, out, of, out of character. Have yourself need to say out of character for movements too. lock yourself a self in a state of anything I say, do or move like right now is what my character is doing. That's a next level RP thing that you can do to really up your role playing experience in D- Dungeons and Dragons. I would it's say jumping off it's and tough. riffing off of people is so much fun. And one of my favorite interactions that I've had with, I don't know if it was necessarily with Braxton, but I know he was present for it in person. Was when I was playing my version of Strahd. We were all at this mm. nice dinner table, Ugh. and I, I, someone was trying to ask Strahd a question, the vampire, while he's talking to someone else, and I just turn over and look at him and say. You know, just give him the finger and say, I'm not talking to you. And I turn back to the other person and I, I, I can just so see <laughs> out of the corner <laughs> of my eye. They're like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? What's up with that? Because they've never had that. You know, someone act like that towards them. It's always been, you know, the, the players are important. Every NPC wants to talk to them. And now it's like, okay, fine, asshole. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Well, even more so, too, because that player and that character who Strahd wanted to speak with was way quieter than I was. I was the voice of the group. Yeah. So it was just a really powerful moment where both in character um, and as the player for this character, I was like, I don't like this as carrying the warlock right now. He is uncomfortable. He is important. He's cool. But he wants to talk to this person. Oh, my gosh. It was just so fun. <laughs> so if that drives that home um, even more, those mannerisms and movements, if you can do it, do it. Um, how energetic or vital am I? This is, again, just kind of the cadence of your voice or your, how you act. You've already answered that with the previous questions. Um the next few are, are kind of really, really minute. And I think I just jumped over one. We'll go back to it in a second. But are my gestures complete or incomplete? Don't worry about that. Vigorous a week. That's like super, super detailed. If you want to, you can. Yeah, a lot of these um, are then are very, very much more specific to, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going to be on a stage or on yeah. film. So you can notice that. And hopefully we're training you to, to see those out and translate it to um tabletop rpgs but one that's become more important lately is do i have any handicaps i would say that this one is important because a lot of um people who do have handicaps it informs how their character is and acts um it isn't who your character is but it's just a physical trait that's there and if you want it to be a part of the visual representation that npcs perceive there you go it's actually really cool. Speaking of uh, handicaps and disabilities, there's a really cool uh, DM, I think it's a DM skilled specific thing, but 
uh, they made a uh, combat wheelchair like thing for Dungeons Yo, and yeah, Dragons. I did see that. And it is so awesome. Um, I highly recommend you guys check it out if you are, you know, interested in playing a, a character with a wheelchair. Absolutely. There's a lot more stuff coming out like that lately, and I guarantee there's more homebrew stuff too. That's why I wanted to jump in on that one. Uh, number 18 is, do I like my walk? There's a lot of like, how do I feel about myself questions here that I wouldn't say you necessarily need to to ask. It, it doesn't come up as much in D&D as, uh, unless your DM is extremely, uh, I guess, focused on making your character reflect on themselves. So in that case, you can answer these questions, but most of the time, don't need to sit on it too much. Uh, the next two I love, how do I sit and how do I stand? Even if you don't show how you do that, how many times in, in our campaign are we like, okay, well, my character stands up and like storms out. Those descriptions happen all the time. And saying how your character moves or exits or enters a situation can give your DM information about what an NPC sees and how they're going to react to your aggressiveness or your yeah, inquisitiveness. Think about you now. Describing your sitting and standing is super, super great. Uh, Joni, objects, hand props, et cetera, accessories. Absolutely. Yeah. Your weapons, what are you wearing? How does this affect you? I, th I think this one's extremely important, right? Yeah. Oh, all right. Um, the next one's about like your basic rhythm, rhythms and movements. You don't have to do this, but if you're starting to do a lot of um, those gestures in game, what are the qualities of those? The same thing about the cadence of your voice. What's the cadence of your movements and hands, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, 23 is the last one. Like, what do you like to wear? How do you wear your clothes? don't need to do that but clothes odds are you're wearing them so maybe you want to answer this physical those are those it's the biggest category here uh it'll get a lot more palatable once we get out of that but you guys were like mm, physical easy bam 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 done no there's a lot more involved in there a lot more the next up social qualities uh these are i'd say this is like my third or second favorite category but a lot of them it is that kind of extra bit of information that you might not really need to do. But one of my favorite, and it is the first one, what do I do when I wake up each morning? I love this one so much. Everybody has their morning ritual. Everybody has that thing that they're like, if I don't get my ex, don't talk to me. You know, is right. it coffee? Is it shower? Does your character need to clean their clothes or something? Do they have to, is putting armor on a morning ritual for them? That can get you into the headspace a prayer, so yeah. much. Right. I love this one. So if there's only one you pick from this, it's that one. Yeah, really, I, I mean, genuinely. I like that too because it, it would give the other party members something to talk to you about. Like, why does this guy walk around the tree twice before we get started in the morning? What's what's going on, buddy? And then they'd be like, oh, well, my druidic circle does this every time. You know, it's just something druidic that we circle. do to bless the ground. Literal druidic circle. It's so great. <laughs> So even those of you who don't like to do RP too much, this is awesome. You're camping with your party all the time, and this can be such a fun way to make well, that's a, a character That's a way to, you know, even people, like you said, people that don't like role-playing too much, that's a way to role-play without really having to do much. I mean, that actually yeah. just say, hey, this is what I do when I wake up, and then eventually that will become a thing that the party, you know, recognizes and talks about. There's literal mechanics in the game, too. Some people prepare their spells. True. That's part of it. Um the next one is, I also think is important. Uh, it kind of fits in the campaign one. What's my relationship to my environment? Do I like it? This can boil down to, is your character of like a noble status and has been in like a castle, super cozy all the time, and you guys are camping out in the boonies? 
how does that inform your characters like social qualities and how they're feeling right now they're obviously probably going to be irritated and un uncomfortable so i think this one's incredibly important too um the next few aren't as like integral to a character itself some people don't care about these sorts of things um, but what's your educational background how much discipline was i subjected to how intelligent am I? I don't think this is super necessary per yeah, se. I was about but the, if, the question after that too. What, what, what's my childhood like? I think a lot of people go to that. Like, what what are some memories that I have from my childhood? And that's I think it's important, but it's also you know mm -hmm. you just think of some very important. I think the second question to that question, where asked what are your strongest memories, it's much mm -hmm. more powerful. And you can think about what characteristics your character may still embody from that time. I don't think spending much time talking about what your childhood is like it's overall important if you that is if you you know have a time limit to prepare your character yeah knock off the what was my childhood like what are my strongest memories this is the best thing and a uh, point i wanted to make is pretend you were making a, your character um at level one for a new campaign at different points of the previous campaign your character was in your childhood memories are probably eclipsed by whatever the hell was going on when your character was level 10 at that time. So what are your character's strongest memories at level 10? Is it all enveloped by the campaign stuff? That's a really cool thing to think about. Yeah, is it, and is something I want to mention. little Billy, you know, bullying you more powerful than seeing the beholder strike your friend dead? Uh, mm -hmm. Probably should focus on the beholder. Yep. So that's why I want to have these things be a constant, uh, whatever it is that pops in your mind, these things to think about. Um, money, you know, how much do you have, et cetera. Um, yeah, the next and then ones then, that I, I'd say are probably most important on this list that I can see are talking about family and your parents, mainly as the DM that loves, you know, poking and prodding at your parents and your family and maybe, you yeah. know, maybe killing them in front of you. That's, I think, very important to a, a character to spend time on. Yeah, there's other stuff like nationality and occupation. Again, those are as important as your DM or you and the, the group has made them. Uh, they don't have any, like, objective value at all, I wouldn't say. So again, if, if it's necessary, I mean, that's pretty much it. As you go on this list, it gets like, come on, these aren't really things you need to prepare on. So yeah, much if you see specific. this, yeah, uh, I, these might be ordered in terms of like importance or necessity. So as you go down the list, if you want to answer these, obviously you can, uh, but that's pretty much everything for social quality. There's, there's a little bit more that get even more, um, interesting, but the, the last few to me are incredibly important is how do my physical traits affect each of my social traits? If, again, those are things that affect how people act towards you. Um, but that's that's pretty much what I would say for the social qualities. Next is psychological ones, which I know Ryan's going to love. So I'm just going to let him go through these and see if he likes any of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at them, the top two, what choices do I face? What choices do I make? I mean, there's that's... That, that's You could probably just boil all the questions down to that. Yeah. Uh, why do I make the choices that I do? Um Obviously, it says what, but I think it's important to think of why you do these things. Um, do I do the things impulsively? You know, if you're younger, you might think, yeah, you know, this is something that I'm just going to act on my instincts. Um, what do I fear? What do I need? Uh, what do I like about myself? I think a lot of these things are, are very important. Um, do other people like me? Why? I mean, a lot of this stuff kind of ties into how you are socially mm. with your friends and with your party. And I think a lot of this stuff should be addressed and thought about. Maybe not, you know, every single one of these questions again and the, um, you know, that specific. But I think thinking about how you view the world and how you view your party members, how you view yourself with them can be uh, very impactful. Yeah, this can be boiled down to what do I want and what's the obstacle, essentially. 
Yeah. You know, what do you need? Your fears can be an op- like all of these are just obstacles. So this can help you identify what blocks what you want. Uh, and then probably the smallest category here is moral qualities. Uh, these can be fun because I think this can change how you interact with certain NPCs. One of the questions is, who do I admire? And that can be a fun thing because you can make an NPC in the world. Uh, again, this isn't necessary, but you say, Ryan, there's this NPC in the world. And if my character sees this person, I am going to fangirl, need to get their autograph. You know, that kind of stuff is really, really fun to do. Uh, and if you get that sort of idea in your mind and that character shows up, you might get really excited to role play that sort of thing. Um, but honestly, this this category, all of the questions can be answered through everything else that you've already gone to. So I don't even think you really need to jump into it. What do you think? Yeah, the moral stuff really just goes back to us talking about the um, alignments. Just if you want a starting point, then look at the alignment sheets and say, you know, I align more with this or my character aligns more with that. And then expand more on that don't just put chaotic neutral on your sheet and just be like all right i'm done with it because i mean i would say the majority of people that play dnd just write chaotic neutral on their sheet and move yeah. on with their day yeah uh, there's a lot more to a character than just that anytime i i see a chaotic neutral person i know that they want to role play i know because that's the i can do anything i want option kind of yeah at least that's how i feel about it oftentimes as a chaotic neutral warlock rise up uh so this next <laughs> one i don't think you need to do right away at all and there's a bunch of these that are theater specific um, but anytime there is play written in this where the first one is why am i included in the play you might be like why am i included in the campaign well because my friends want to play and i'm here i'm going to challenge you to ask this question throughout the campaign so that you identify where your character needs to grow the first one is why am I included in the campaign? How do I contribute to the overall idea the DM uh, wishes to express? Putting yourself in the DM's shoes and seeing if you, the way you're acting is facilitating an awesome D&D experience. Is there something that I'm doing that isn't contributing? Ask this question every session, every minute if you can. It's also important to think, like, because your character exists, okay? Mm-hmm. Why... Says Carrion, Braxton's character. Why does Carrion yeah. stay with the party? Why? Why would he not just leave? What, what? What is he benefiting? What is he adding to this group? Because uh, it's it's very easy to just stuck in. Okay, I'm I'm with them because we're all playing Dungeons and Dragons together. But mm-hmm. you could very easily just make another character. So there's a reason your character is still with these people. Think about that and expand on that idea instead of you know just being there to be there. Absolutely. And a lot of these questions are, again, just kind of superfluous, but it it boils down to why am I here? And that entire statement that Ryan made about write that down, put it on a plaque somewhere and keep it up every time you play Dungeons and Dragons, just point to it and look at it and and feel it. Um, There's this big thing about theater and, you know, putting yourself into the mindset of, you know, before the action, what am I doing before this scene begins, don't say, well, I'm standing off uh, in the, you know, the wing of, of the theater of the stage waiting for my interest. No, your character is existing before that moment. So what I want to challenge and kind of end this whole thing with uh, is every session, whether there was a time skip or not, there's something that's going on. Your character, the, the pause screen might be active, but the world for your character hasn't stopped. 
always think about and reflect on what has happened immediately, what's going to happen, and what has happened, et cetera, what is in the presence. Um, if you're thinking actively about these sorts of things and you're, you're aspiring to upgrade your role play, upgrade your acting, et cetera, thinking about things from your character's perspective is what all of this boils down to. So if you don't do any of this, truly go back to what Ryan just said, scroll back a little bit. How do I contribute? Why am I here? What do I want? I think a and, fun way to grow, like learning this, instead of you know just sitting down with this sheet, if you, if yeah. you don't like this type of stuff, um, at least give it a shot. But I'd say if you want a fun way to go about doing this is watch things, read things, Ooh. watch some, you know, watch some really good tabletop RPG stuff online. Uh, some really good content out there that people have, you know, worked really hard on you know, have, you know, the years and years and years of experience of acting or writing and seeing how they grow their characters over time or seeing how certain writers from shows grow this character from the first episode to the last episode is just a mass can sometimes be a masterclass in what we're talking about here. So if you, if you want to sink your teeth in something really enjoyable and go do that and keep this stuff at least in the back of your mind. Yeah. And honestly, my lately just cause it's on my brain, but if you want to get a really good example, watch attack on Titan, honestly for ages while we've been waiting for the next seasons to come out, uh, all I really had for a while, other than spoilers, was season one. And I thought that's what it was going to be for the entire show. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. I, and watching it weekly, I, I honestly think is a hindrance to the show, not just because of all of the um, cliffhangers, but because of me wanting something to happen, wanting a character to change felt like it took much longer than it actually did. So I think watching Attack on Titan straight through is going to be an insane experience. And if you haven't, if you don't like anime for whatever reason, you don't want to sink your teeth into Attack on Titan, I'd say, and I, I, oh, I hurt, honestly, to recommend this. But the first four, five seasons of Game of Thrones is, no, it's, I mean, it is gorgeous and i'd say even the bastardized version of the finale that we ended up getting it's still worth it just to see the characters and i think honestly that show had the potential to have some of the best character development in history and of course it squandered it but up until those last two seasons i think it was superb and read the books i mean it's it's beautiful I highly, highly recommend um, looking at that type of stuff because there's a lot of character development, a lot of change that happens in every episode. You know, if I weren't too enamored with anime and in my time was absorbed in it, I might give it a chance. But when I moved to Chicago, my the, that episode, the final one of Game of Thrones had come oh, out. So yeah. I just watched it with my brother because I'm like, I'm never going to watch this. Never yeah. going to happen. But, you know, just maybe, uh, maybe it will. Just, to, you know, think about this. Everybody listen to this. If you are uh, you know, into this character development stuff, this is probably going to be a big red flag for you. If there's a general that is very smart, been lots of combat, knows, you know, how to work the troops and everything and can organize fights and combat and war, et cetera, et cetera. Going? <laughs> this is something specifically from, from Game of Thrones. Um they're not just going to forget about very specific, important stuff. The writers for Game of Thrones said, oh, yeah, they just forgot that these people existed. What? 
It's the most asinine and ridiculous name I've ever heard. It's just because they were like, hey, this could be fun. Let's drop that in. There's, there's better ways to build your characters, and especially because this character went from nothing to being a mastermind. And then they just obliterated it. Don't do that. Don't just fall into writing traps. Stick with your character. Find out how to grow them. Keep flaws. I mean, we didn't really touch on flaws in this, but flaws. I mean, look at the D&D sheet, right? Pull up the fifth edition player character sheet. There's bonds, ideals, and then flaws at the very bottom. The flaws should always be in your in the back of your mind when you're making decisions and when you're doing mm. stuff. Um, don't make the flaws, you know, too easy, but also don't make them too ridiculous unless you you like that challenge. Um, but think of it more like, you know, very uh, moralistic type flaws and allow them to make the character interesting and the personality play off of these flaws. Again, I think Game of Thrones is a perfect example of this and just stop it after like season five. Yeah. My only thing about the flaws to, to be skeptical is just make sure they don't stunt um, development of moments of scenes of, of quests, et cetera. Let them change let them evolve into different flaws or let them become solved. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have to maintain a static character the entire time. And I think that's what I want to, that's the message I want to give for this episode. And if you can take that away, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot less of breaking up with your character needed. Like how we talked about in one of our other podcasts that happened a couple of weeks ago. Basically the, the main reason that I think we want to talk about this is like, how do we avoid that? This is this episode. Yeah. Oh, Breaking All Bad right. TV show. Fantastic Breaking character Bread? development as well. That's something I need to watch too. I'm, oh, I'm, it's I've it's watched a handful of regular TV shows. Frasier <laughs> takes a, a big part of that just because whatever my brother's watching is what I'm watching. You know? Yep. But we're not watching Frasier right now. We, we, you've been watching or listening to or experiencing, you know, us here at the, the Dungeon, Dungeon Crawl. Crawl, man. And if you're ever interested in peeking some stuff out or looking at what we're doing or if there's a message, you need an update, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We have social media at Dungeon Crawl Pod. You that's can find where us. this article or this uh, document that we were looking at will be posted. Yes, there's going to be a lot of theater terminology here. So anytime you see play or if there's something that doesn't seem relevant to D&D, get it out of there. You don't have to do this word for word at all. You don't even have to do it at all. Just look at it if you want. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. So at Dungeon Crawl Pod. If you're looking to talk to us long form, discuss things that you've heard in previous episodes or this episode, want to ask us something, thedungeoncrawlpod at gmail.com is where you can find us there for Mm -hmm. that form. We also have a YouTube. If you look up on YouTube, the Dungeon Crawl Podcast, we will pop up and browse our catalogs. That's also where we host our live play, The Dungeon Chronicles. Ryan, we have a Twitch for that that we don't use yet. On March 22nd, and we're sticking our guns to it at around 6 p.m. or so. We're going to be live streaming the Dungeon Chronicles. Woo! And what is the handle for that, Ryan? Do you know? Uh, I'm putting the, you on the spot. The Dungeon Crawl Network. Twitch.tv slash the Dungeon Crawl Network. And the reason we have it that way is because we want to have it be a catch-all for whatever we want to live stream. So if you're looking forward to that sort of content, jump your booty over there. That's March 22nd. So if you've been listening to the live play... Those have been episodes recorded back in November. The one the fifth episode probably is going to be all digital and the audio quality is going to be spicy and we're ready to get going. Damn, Ryan, what sorry. else do you have for us? Uh, well, I was doing a little light reading, you know, the past week. Um, and Braxton 
as you kind of mentioned, is a theater pro. So he probably kind of knows what I'm talking about here. But I found Maybe. an old, old um, play that I don't think many people know about. Uh, it's called A Podcaster's Dream by uh, William Shakespeare. And he, uh, in, in this, I, I was fascinated because he actually, uh, I think he's like a time traveler or something. He mentioned in there, um, of course, you know, he uses Shakespearean speech. And I had to use the old, uh, uh, what was it, Idiot's Guide to, to Reading Shakespeare. I don't remember what they're called. But, you know, it had like the half something and half like side. And the side that I could understand had stuff where it mentioned uh, the dungeon crawl. It said if you go to Apple Podcasts cool. and f- type in the dungeon crawl, wait, rate it five stars. Um, then this character that uh, is in this, uh, I don't remember the character's name. It was kind of forgettable. Um, but this character's name in this podcaster's dream would be very happy. I think the name might have been Ryan. I'm not positive. Um, but it'd be very happy to go to this this place and, and rate it five stars. Uh, the Dungeon Crawl Podcast on Apple Podcasts rate it five stars. And I, I believe, uh, I could be wrong here, but I think it said something on the Spark Notes page that um, it'll make it go higher. Uh, like we'll be able to find the podcast easier. Um, and uh, that's uh, Ryan apparently got really happy about this. So I, I thought I'd share it. I don't know if it really ties in much to the uh, conversation we just had about acting and stuff, but uh, I know Shakespeare is very important about, you know, for that time period and that, you know, mm. concepts. So I thought I'd mention it. Yeah. You know, uh, I, com- I completely forgot about that in my Shakespeare studies class in my senior year of college. Entirely forgot about it. But also, more importantly, we don't talk about the time paradox that is the dungeon crawl, you know? I know. Because if, if we didn't create this podcast, he wouldn't have time traveled and seen it. And then, you know, he wouldn't have mentioned it in that book. And then we wouldn't have read that and then, you know, followed his scripture and created it. It's a time paradox. Shakespeare's crazy, man. I was quite often told in theater that I, A, look like Shakespeare and could probably play him in a play. And I was like, what does that even mean? Really? Yeah. Everybody's like, you know, you kind of look like Shakespeare. Like, what do you? It was said a lot, and it freaks me out. But you know, I mean, I, I, I don't really. I don't understand. It must have been must have been like an in person thing with the glasses, and my hair was really curly on a certain day. I mean, you got hair. He he, he had a lot of a lot of forehead space. I'll say that a lot of real estate that they can be selling. I'll I'll get there in the next like five (laughs) five years or so. I promise you, it runs in the family. One day I'll have to go bald. It'll happen. Yeah, my grandfather bald at like the age of. 16 so i think i'm doing all right uh my mine's in the process we're getting there but i (laughs) know when it goes away i'll be okay with it we shave it and then i look cool and wear some beanies you know else i know what's up when we need to go away he's been ryan he's been braxton this is the dungeon crawl again and thank you everybody for crawling with us make sure you join us next week for a really good episode we have no idea what we're doing that's why i love that the you know, the episode name for when we learn it. Yeah, we'll put it in post. Yeah.